This is High Stakes from Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock. Hey, I'm David Schifrin. So President Biden came out swinging against social media companies earlier this week, saying that they were responsible not just for the misinformation that's being posted on their sites, but also the consequences of that misinformation for actual deaths. Not long after, on CNN and a couple of other outlets, Surgeon General Vivek Murthy backpedaled a bit, but without exactly absolving the tech companies. Then, on Thursday the 22nd, right after we recorded this podcast, Senator Amy Klobuchar introduced a bill to remove some of the liability protection that social media companies enjoy if, quote, their technologies spread misinformation related to public health emergencies like COVID-19, according to the Wall Street Journal. So there's politics, there's social media, there's digital angst, there's misinformation, there's finger pointing. It is a perfect recipe for Kim Fox and Tim Stewart to jump in. So here we are. Before that, though, please be sure to subscribe to all of our thinking here at Gerard by heading to gerardinc.com slash pod, J-A-R-R-A-R-D-I-N-C.com forward slash pod. You'll get our weekly quick think email, which highlights a big healthcare story from the week and where marketing and communications fits into it. So be sure to check that out. And then, of course, please tell a friend about it and the podcast. Okay, so that's housekeeping all done. And this is where in the original, I asked him for his initial reaction when he saw the Surgeon General on CNN talking about Facebook. But since I'm re-recording this intro to include the note about Senator Klobuchar's bill, I won't pretend like I'm asking him now. Instead, we'll go with the hard cut to what he said. Yeah, so I mean, I think my first reaction was, why does the Surgeon General wear a uniform? I don't understand it. And then I Googled it. And, you know, Wikipedia tells me it's a commission corps. There's eight uniform commission corps, and he's the head of one of them. But so it still strikes me as very strange that in 2021, this guy's walking around as a vice admiral with bars. Also, so my second thought was, is there only one suit for the Surgeon General? Because it doesn't seem to fit him very well. It seemed like kind of an ill-fitting suit. He doesn't seem very comfortable in it. So those were my first, but maybe not most important. Actually, and when did we be... get a new Surgeon General? Like, do they change with the administration? Like, what happened to the last guy? Well, I bet you couldn't name the last guy, but this guy was previously the Surgeon General. He was the Surgeon General okay. under Obama and then got, you know, thrown out uh. when Trump took office. And then they had some other guys, probably knowing the Trump administration, seven or eight of them. I don't <laughs> remember how many. And then this guy came back. So Biden won and then uh, was like, hey, you were a good Surgeon General. We've got the same suit. So here you go. I I keep thinking. Uh Oh, wow. Sound effects. We have have arrived, people. I I still think it's C. Everett Coop. Right. Did, yeah. What, what so that was I thought of that as well. I thought of C. Everett Coop. And it's interesting because we're not we're not exactly the same age, but it's interesting that C. Everett Coop stands out. To he was both the, of he us was, as the yes, he was the with the beard. He wore that suit the well, the beard and the like almost like I felt like he had like a little corn cob pipe or something. No, he Is had that, well, he had that weird beard. He had like a very yes. unusual beard. Yes. And I'm wondering if it's the smoking campaign that makes us think oh, of C. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that was a that was a very prominent time yes. to be Surgeon General. But yeah, he's the he's the only other one. I couldn't name another one. So his point was that oh, on the social media companies? Uh, I, I mean, so I, I guess there's there's a couple of questions here. One is or a couple of situations. One is like, are people getting misinformation about vaccines and everything else on social media? The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. I am less convinced 
about Facebook's individual responsibility or ability to, I mean, I hate to come in like anywhere near on the side of Zuckerberg, but I do think there is a challenge for these companies in determining how and where to insert themselves. And I don't, I don't have a Facebook account, so I'm not on, I don't know what's out there. I remember it being terrible, but I will say on Instagram, if you mention COVID or the vaccine in your story or whatever, there's a link to the CDC that comes up. That seems like about the max that we can reasonably expect from these companies. I don't know. I would, I would agree. I mean, the whole reason for social media is for self-expression. Isn't that why it was invented? So I can talk to somebody easily. I can have conversations. I can have an opinion. I can share my opinion. We can talk about our opinions. Uh, I, I don't think it's up to Facebook to police that. But I mean, there is there is a huge amount of, of misinformation to the point where I mean, if you believe anything, that is a kind of your own problem, in my opinion. Like, if you go to Facebook for medical information, like, why would you go to Facebook to to learn about something like that? Like, go to something more reputable, right? I mean, I, I'm yeah, there's something, naive, I mean, there's or... something similar. I and I I am totally fine with the nanny state, and I'm fine with people intervening wherever they can to, for for public health. But there was something. This reminded me of something similar. I read there was an interview recently with the CEO of McDonald's, and I don't remember the guy's name. And so this guy was doing this interview, and he was like, you know, I got a lot of friends who say that we should just change our menu overnight. But we, you know, the McDonald's menu is Darwinian. You know, people want what they want. I eat there five days a week, and I work out, and blah blah blah. And so. That's where we are as a country. We've let these corporations run wild. And I don't think I, I don't think that the rules of engagement are such that they have the ability or really any rational reason to be entering on the side of good. We've we've created these monsters. Well that went in a dark place. But um, doesn't it always? <laughs> it, it always it always ends there. Um, you've got to you've got to police your own self. If you're expecting Facebook to spoon feed you what is right and good, then you're just in the wrong place. Um, well, I, I, I don't think if Facebook has any responsibility to do no, something about it. No, I do. I I would favor enhanced regulation of these mm. tech companies, which is somewhat a bipartisan issue for the moment, largely because. We know that social media is like rewiring people's brains. We've got a recent, very famous example of somebody who got a great deal of power and actually went kind of mm. crazy in public on this on these platforms. I forget his name. But he, so I do think that the technology is still so new that we don't know what we've unlocked. Mm. And so I do think that there is a responsibility from a greater sort of public interest authority, like the government, to regulate these tech companies because there's nothing that is going to stop them from trying to mine every last dollar off of everyone's personal information. There's no reason for them not to right now. As mm -hmm. a rational, self-interested company, there's no reason for Facebook to regulate itself because it doesn't believe that the U.S. government is going to do anything about it. For good reason, because they haven't. But like him, I liked your idea, like your idea of 
personal responsibility, I, I think is fair. <laughs> yeah. It also, I think, is challenged by the degree to which this technology um, has outpaced our brain's ability to mm-hmm. fend it off. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I am totally against government re- regulation of, of social media. I, I just... I, there should be rules, yes, like boundaries, rules, boxes, lanes, but I don't think it's the responsibility of the government to censor us. Um, well, that's not right? what I'm saying. I'm not, uh, so I, I think that, let me see if I can figure this out in a way that will eventually sound like something that would be recordable, which is <laughs> that I do think that there's a comparison here, and this is just going to like reinforce everything about me. There's a comparison here to climate change, though. Like where like individual responsibility for like recycling is a drop in the bucket compared to what like giant companies and countries are doing to impact the environment. And so like there's a part of, I think, well-meaning people who are like, well, I'm going to bring my bags to Whole Foods. Great. That is something, but it's nothing. It is not the actual problem. And so similarly, the actual problem on social media is not like individual people saying dumb shit. It's like who is profiting from Mm. pumping dumb shit into people's Mm. brains. And so that's where I think there is Mm. an avenue, you know, for me, for regulation. I I understand that you probably still don't see that and and totally fairly. But I don't think it's about like how we censor Kim Fox to her Facebook followers. It's like, Mm -hmm. how is the stuff that goes viral and the people who are profiting off of misinformation, how do we stem that tide? And that I think requires external intervention to some degree. What is this, I'm gonna direct us just a little bit. What is this doing for our ability as a society? And then of course, for our folks, for providers, specifically in the realm of health, how much, because we're talking about this people hiding behind computers, it is obviously in the last year plus spilled over into literally into the streets. What is this doing for the ability to deliver a real service, in this case, healthcare? Well, we were just talking today about um, providers, nurses, physicians who are becoming stars, quote, on TikTok. I don't get TikTok. I don't look at anything, but there are apparently lots of physicians and nurses on TikTok, right? So they're sharing information in in a new way that is appealing to some. And some are getting censored or asked to be more careful online by their employers. We've seen some of that early, you know, early in the COVID as people were coming out and speaking speaking out early on and got hand slapped and all that sort of thing. But you know, the, the fundamental problem is as a human being, how do you tell what is real and thoughtful and researched and science versus some dude with an opinion? You cannot tell because even physicians, there's some that are like, a little bit over here in some la la land like well he's a doctor he's an md shouldn't i trust what he's in? and you can't that is the problem with social media who do you trust because you don't have the ability to discern 
who's got it right. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that's exactly right. And I also think that where, where impacts are providers and where there's an opportunity, perhaps, is, is in the fact that that relationship with patients has changed over mm-hmm. the last 10, 15, 20 years. I don't know if you guys have, you know, a primary care physician that you've gone to forever. I don't. I've gone to a bunch of different people. I think that's an experience. And, and I have the luxury of having had health insurance since I was out of college. I've always had mm-hmm. health insurance. So I've had access to providers and I've not had the consistency that people may be associated. When people say, you know, when Barack Obama said, if you like your doctor, you'll keep him or whatever. When people talk about this, talk to your doctor. People don't have a doctor. A doctor, yeah. People don't have Dr. Wilson, who's been seeing me since I was 12. That doesn't really exist for the vast majority of people. And so that's where the provider sort of Mm. frontline trust relationship has eroded because people don't know, you know, you don't have that person. You've got some guy that you go see for 15 minutes and that's not really standing up to day after day of your Facebook feed yelling mm-hmm. at you about vaccines. Or Dr. Google. It doesn't hold up to Dr. Google either. So what do we do with that? And if you're a provider organization, how do you navigate that? And how do you advise people with uh, what's your responsibility? And as you said, Tim, you don't have that relationship. So you're just this big, highly qualified organization. Are you speaking into the void? What do you do? So a couple of thoughts. One would be that I think that there's an opportunity for people like us and for providers in general to do a better job of getting communications and and facts into channels where people actually are. I think that they are, you know, a lot of providers have really highly produced Facebook feeds and Twitter feeds. And it's really just kind of a bulletin board for uh, heart week or whatever. (laughs) I I think there's an opportunity for communicators in healthcare to step up their game and engaging in spaces where people actually are. Kim, you mentioned TikTok earlier, but that's, that's someplace where people actually are and Mm -hmm. like being able to have, it's not, necessarily where I'm hanging out. It's not where you're hanging out, but there are a lot of people there and there are a lot of people getting their information there. And so how do you, an authentic presence on those platforms that is not just a corporation talking to people, which Mm -hmm. is what a lot of provider Facebook feeds look like. So that's one thing. That's an opportunity. I think that there's a chance there to diversify how you think about reaching people because we all know that Healthcare providers are 10 years behind communications trends for other similar industries. It's a conservative, not political, but, you know, orientation mm-hmm. group that moves slowly. And I think that this moment has caught that group on its heels. Mm-hmm. I think we've now had a year to assess the landscape and know that people are getting a lot of misinformation there. And maybe... And, and this is true on a number of different fronts that we've been talking about recently, but I think hospitals need to get off the bench and engage in this space. And they need to engage, they need to be able to take whatever crazy comments that come mm-hmm. their way and be able to contextualize that. Because I, I think that putting information on your website and sending out blast emails is probably not getting the job done. 
And I think, you know, the, the folks that I talked to, I think, you know, sort of right after the first wave of the vaccines, when the which hospitals were in charge of, responsible for, for handling, they were tired of it, tired of being the voice, tired of being out front all the time. And so I think hospitals, uh, providers have been, took sort of took back seat for a while, like, Okay, let somebody else handle this. We've we've done our part. We sort of did the first wave. We've done our part. Let's 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 move on. And so I I do think there has been a lessening, Tim, in folks, sort of being forward in that space. They were just sort of like let's let somebody else be the voice now. And and so is it time again for them to re- sort of reengage in this space? But it's almost like why would a provider weigh in when they know what's going to happen? Right? They know, they know what's going to happen to them. They know that the comments, and so you have to be bold, man. You've got to be bold and and know what you're getting into. As um, know the Kool Aid drinking, whatever's will come out of the woodwork. Uh, I mean, and, I just think that, like to that point, I just don't think there's any. I think if there's anything that the last five, seven, ten years have showed us, it's that what's happening online is not separate from what's happening in the real world. And I do yeah. think that providers still feel like, well, that's over here yeah. and we're over here and we're treating people. We're yeah. we're caring for people right. and that's what really matters. But from every stripe of our culture, it is clear that what is bubbling up in the swamp of online has a direct correlation. And that's no, there's no place, well, there's several places where that's very vivid, but for the purpose of this conversation, there's no place that that's more vivid than on the vaccine conversation. Like that is yeah. the opportunity here. Maybe not for this one because people's feelings are pretty well baked mm-hmm. and a lot of people are going to die who didn't need to just because they don't want to get the vaccine. And that is kind of where we are right now. But I think it's got to be a giant wake up call that providers don't get to hide in the hospital and they don't get to say like, well, no, this doesn't affect us because we'll just treat people when they get in here. Mm-hmm. There's a greater responsibility. Agreed. 